Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey friends and welcome to episode 24 of It's Not All Rainbows. I'm your host, Lindsay Goodman, and if you don't know me, I'm a survivor of narcissistic abuse in a queer relationship, and I'm here to validate and support others who are or have been in my shoes and to help spread awareness of what these kinds of relationships can look like. Obviously, I'm here for my queers, but everyone is welcome here. Today, I'm going to talk to you about some of the things that helped me when I was leaving my relationship and after I left to kind of put together the puzzle pieces of understanding what I was really dealing with and my process of coming into the relationship pretty healthy despite everything I was going through um, and just like watching the progression of um, my mental health just crash and burning. Um, So yeah, let's, let's dive in. Okay, so one of the first things that I discovered was um, when I was at my mom's house, if you don't know, I left the house where I lived with my abuser and um, went and stayed with my mom in another state for a month, did a little trip with my kiddo, stayed with my mom for another month, and then finally came back to Washington to, you know, get back to real life. Um, but I got to my mom's house and as I was feeling obviously safe, removed from the situation, um, I was still in contact with my abuser at that time, but we weren't talking as much. I was able to kind of like sit back and like say, okay, what was that? What, I mean, I knew, I knew what it was. I had found narcissism. I had found trauma bond. I had found all of those things and been researching it and reading books and, um, listening to podcasts and all those things, just like learning about it and, um, admitting and understanding that that's what I was experiencing. But I ended up finding old, like emailed notes or like letters and um, notes and like my iPhone notes and even like poems that I had written very early on in our relationship, which is weird. I'm not really like a a poet. Um, And they were so telling and they were so um, eye-opening to me because you could see like I would like vividly describe us like hanging out and everything's fine. And then all of a sudden it's an argument. And I would say like, everything was fine, or at least I thought it was, and I thought we were on the same page, and then all of a sudden, you did XYZ, or you said XYZ, and I'm so confused about, like, where that's coming from. Is this something we can talk about? Um, What, like, what am I missing here? Like, very um, willing and able to communicate clearly, like, just, like, journaling those thoughts of what the hell's going on here, because, like, everything was fine, and then the next minute, it was, like, it was like we were on another planet. Like I blinked and all of a sudden we we're on Mars and I d- never understood how we got there. And this was like very early on. 
Um, and I am so thankful that I journaled at that time. And like a lot of you, if you didn't journal or you didn't like, if you don't have those kinds of notes and and things saved in your phone, you're going to be like, I wish I had journaled. Um, it's, it's something that's like so important. And I'm so thankful that I have, because again, like it really did give me a lot of answers that, um, that I needed desperately needed because when you're in these relationships, you are gaslit into thinking that you're the bad one. You're the crazy one that you came into this relationship messed up, traumatized, um, immature, unable to communicate, having too many needs, causing all the problems. And the other person was like calm, cool and collected when really, yes, I have problems. Yes, I was in a really bad time in my life when I came into this relationship, but I was calm. I was even killed. I was excited. I had little to no expectations because I really didn't think that we would end up in a relationship. I thought that we were just kind of like hanging out and, um, you know, like we hadn't had like a specific relationship or conversation defining anything. We were just hanging out and I was happy to have someone to hang out with, to have meals with, to have conversations with, to have a glass of wine with to play Scrabble with like whatever it was I was just like happy and also like yeah it was a distraction from the difficult things that I was doing in my life but I came into the relationship I would say in terms of the relationship with very good mental health I came into the relationship with some tools that I had been working on from my previous relationship because if you don't know, I was married to a man and it didn't just end because I was gay. We had a lot of communication issues. There was a lot of things that like, this is a whole other story, but we didn't communicate expectations. We didn't communicate, just all kinds of things. So our whole relationship was kind of like backpedaling, trying to figure out why one or both of us was so unhappy. Um, and so I like would use those communication tools and use those techniques and things like that to try to figure things out. And again, like I said, very eye-opening for me, um, to have that spelled out, written out. Obviously it's in my own words and I I have had people invalidate like on TikTok, like when I talked about journaling and they were like, well, it's still just your perspective. And I'm like, exactly. And your truth is your truth. So like when something happens and you're journaling in that moment, that's what you felt. That's what happened. Sure, it does not two people um, documenting things together, but it's still real and it's still what you experienced and it still is a worthwhile, helpful thing to help you understand what you were going through, what you were thinking. The next thing that really helped me, and again, this was soon after I left, all of this was like within two weeks of me leaving, like in the two weeks between me leaving the state and going no contact. This one, still to this day, I cannot believe how it happened. I ended up waking up one morning um, to like a bombardment of Instagram messages. And I, if you found me here and don't know who I am, I have 40,000 Instagram followers and I have my notifications off because I would go absolutely crazy. I would never be able to attend to my real life if I was constantly like receiving notifications and things like that. And so I woke up to all these notifications and I was like, what the heck? Who's this person, this name? I don't know this name, but I have hundreds of messages from them. And so I opened up Instagram and I was 
I've never said this out loud on my Instagram. I've, I've said like, oh, I was able to see this happening, whatever. I was logged into my abuser's Instagram account. We shared phones here and there and computers here and there. Like we would use each other's stuff. I had no idea that I was still logged onto their Instagram because they never use Instagram. So I wasn't like up until that point, I wasn't receiving messages and going, oh crap, I'm still logged in. That's no way to try to go no contact with someone. That is no way to try to like recover from what's going on by like still being on someone's account. So I was like, what the, and like it was 6am and I'm like trying to figure out what's going on. And I'm realizing that I'm live action watching my abuser love bomb another person. And it hurt. It felt like someone was like ripping my soul from my body because your, your knee jerk reaction is I'm already being replaced. They never loved me. They never cared about me. How could they be doing this? Like whatever. But that's like trying to place like rational, healthy human um, behaviors and values on someone who really doesn't have that. They don't do life that way. These people are constantly like they need someone to be there for supply, for validation, for someone to control and have power over. And they usually have someone lined up. And this was a very real and obvious example of that where they were doing what's called monkey branching, which is like before I even left, they had been sort of like dropping hints and like flirting at work and doing all this stuff to try to line this person up so that when I did leave or before I left, if needed, they had that person lined up to be able to try to pursue. And so I read that and um, most of it, some of it, I kind of like skimmed, like, sk- like s- skimmed through it and was just like shocked. But it was very, very helpful to me to see this person using the exact same words that they used with me when we met. I think that if I had not found narcissism and learned about all the tactics and tendencies, because of course, yes, they are each, you know, different humans and each each of our relationships with them, if you can call it that, um, are different and things like that. So it's going to look a little different. But if I hadn't found this information researched it as I was gearing up to leave, you know, learned about it, studied it, basically memorized it because it was so real and hitting so close to home. I don't think that I would have understood what was going on when I read that conversation. I think that I would have just felt crazy, felt worthless, felt replaced. Um, all of the things that they do honestly want you to feel when they're doing that. Um, And been much more hurt by it, even though I was the one who left that relationship. Um, But because I had read and understood what was going on, it was so eye-opening to me. And it was, um, like I said, just textbook behavior. um, And knowing that, like, this person literally just cannot be alone and has to always, like, be seeking someone like that. And it's always pursued in the same way. It helped me so much to go no contact. I believe um, within two days of finding out this information, I was, like I said, irrefutable evidence. There there was no excuse, no reason that I could give myself to continue talking to this person. And I very quickly um, was able to go no contact. And I'm now, tomorrow will be seven months no contact. So you can do it too. We just got to get you there. Another thing that helped me was like the day after I left, I think I might've told this story. I definitely tell the story of how I left because, um, the emotional abuse and control and 
name calling and all that stuff escalated towards my son at the very end of the relationship. That's what got me out of there. Um, I don't know if, you know, people have listened to every episode or not. So I do try to give a little bit of um, background information. But the day after I left, I worked up the courage to reach out to an ex of my abuser who followed me on Instagram. I followed them on Instagram. Um, We didn't really talk or anything, but like obviously knew who she was because, you know, when we started the relationship, my abuser would talk about each of their exes and like, um, this is a little side note, but there's like two tactics that an abuser will do to like kind of triangulate you, um, against their exes. Either they'll come in and do, or like just to set things, get the ball rolling for you in terms of like where you stand. One is that they will talk horrible things about their exes, um, ex or exes, make them look bad, um, try to make themselves look like the victim, um, give you the sob story to get your empathy and things like that. Or they'll talk very highly about their exes and they'll compare you and make you feel less than so that you're constantly trying to catch up or, you know, prove that you can love them better or whatever it is. And my abuser did the compare and contrast and oh, I, you know, this was the person who loved me the best and this partner, you know, we had so much fun or we would do this or we would do that and things like that. So I, of course, knew um, who she was and I ended up reaching out to her and I said, hey, um, at the risk of sounding like a crazy person, I really need to ask you something and I hope that that's okay with you. And she was like, sure. And I asked, has this person ever physically abused you like emotional abuse aside in this first question because I needed to know this one thing and when she came back and said absolutely yes I knew that I wasn't crazy I knew that I wasn't making it up I um, then was able to have a longer conversation with her about what she experienced and um, obviously I'm not going to share those kinds of details here um out of respect for her own um, privacy and journey and things like that. But it helped me so much to just know again that I wasn't crazy, that I didn't make it up, that what I went through wasn't a unique situation with this person. Um, Because of course, when you're in it, they tell you, you're the only person who I'm like this with. You're the only person who, you know, who gets me this way. I'm only like this because you're like this, things like that. Um, so for me, it was a crucial, um, a crucial part of being able to get away, stay away, and again, begin that healing process. I do want to say, again, while it was very important for me, and it ended up really being healing for me, and um, she and I did meet in person, and we bonded over, obviously, our shared experience. We don't really talk about it anymore, except for randomly one of us will have a little trigger or something and be like, oh my gosh, I remembered this. And just like, obviously kind of support each other. It's not something that we like constantly talk about because it's not healthy for anybody. But I want to caution you about reaching out to an ex of your abuser because it could trigger them. It could bring back a lot of stuff that they've healed from. Like I sometimes wish that I could talk to another um, ex-partner of my abuser because I just like, it's just like a thing where I know the story that I was told and I feel a lot of empathy for the person and what they went through with 
this person who has abused obviously several people and I so wish that I could check in with her and make sure she's okay and things like that. However, she's been removed from the situation for a long time. She's not following me on Instagram as far as I know. She probably doesn't even know who I am and it would be very cruel of me to try to seek her out and get and and bring this to her. Hopefully, she has done a lot of work on herself and moved on and doesn't need this dug up again. And so that's why um, I really want to caution you. Because on one hand, yes, you can have that person who, like one of the things that we said was, it feels so good to have another person who knows and understands to a T what you went through because it's from the same person versus like, obviously I connect with a lot of survivors who tell me their stories and it's very similar but it's from a different person, which is still great and fine. And obviously, I hope that there's not 20, 30 people out there who have been abused by the same person. That's terrible. Um, I mean, one person is terrible. Let's, you know, let's not minimize that. But um, it went well in my, in, in my situation. And so I don't regret having reached out. Like I said, we both um, I believe benefited from it. I believe that she was able to heal some things that maybe she hadn't been able to at the time. So it was good for both of us. But again, just want to really caution you. Um, if that person doesn't know who you are or like it's been years, um, they're very removed from the situation. Don't reach out. Um, I would not mind like if there was, um, a victim or two victims or three victims after me and one of them wanted to reach out to me and talk to me, I would support them, but that's because I'm doing this publicly. Um, I wouldn't do it. Um, I would not like to like talk like trash talk because that doesn't help anyone. But if they wanted to ask me like, did you experience this? Did you experience that? Which they don't have to because they can just look up my content, my blog, my podcast. I would absolutely be like, yes, you know, whatever I need to do to have this conversation to help you move on. And then let you fly free and like do this journey on your own because I'm not going to like, you know, like I don't think it's some people do, though. Actually, side note, I was just reading um, in the dream house. I just finished it by Carmen Maria Machado. Sorry, Carmen Maria Machado. (laughs) And um, she ended up marrying her like another ex of her abuser. They, they did know each other beforehand and, um, ended up connecting after, um, Carmen left and they ended up getting married and that's kind of how she finishes the book. So again, like you never know, you might have like a lifelong connection with someone after that. Um, but for me, it would just be like, Hey, what can I do to help you get through this? And then let's move on because I don't want to talk about it. And I don't want to like, I don't want to dwell on like that specific person and like, talk about them, um, in that way, but you know, if you're several years out from this and someone comes up out of nowhere and asks you again, it's risky because you might be, you might be so far down that healing journey that you don't want to help somebody. Or maybe you just say, Hey, yeah, I had a horrible relationship with them. I don't really want to talk about it and dig that up. I wish you the best of luck. Um, here are some resources or something. I don't know. Whatever that looks like for you, because obviously we all have different journeys and boundaries and things like that. Lastly, obviously, I've talked about this before. I mentioned this quite a bit. Um, a lot of like other survivors sharing their stories on TikTok and Instagram, reading um, books and things like that. One of them that really helped me was uh, Manjeet Rupai's book, 
called, let me see what that's called. Sorry, I should have grabbed that before I started talking about it. This book, um, she's a survivor of parental narcissistic abuse as well as um, from a partner. It's called Survivor Guide for Toxic Narcissistic Relationships. Knowledge is Power. It's by Manjeet Rupai. You can get it on Amazon. She's also on TikTok and Instagram. She's just the sweetest, um, one of my favorite people who are talking about abuse and um, giving back and helping people. Um, but that book, I there were you know there were parts of it that of course didn't apply to me because like I said, everyone is different to an extent. Um, but I felt like she wrote it about me. I felt like she had you know been my therapist or something for several years throughout this relationship. And then she ended up writing a book about what I went through. That's how relatable it was to me. But those kinds of resources, like I said, like seeing other survivors sharing their stories and knowing that you're not alone, that you're not crazy, that you didn't make it up is I think essential. Um, it's validating. It helps you feel less alone And so those kinds of things um, were very helpful to me. And I hope that you can find those kinds of resources as well and that they're helpful to you in your journey trying to move on from this, understand what you went through and understanding that it's not you and you're not crazy. And while, yes, we all have our issues, we all have things that we need to heal and work on. And I hope that each of you, um, as you get out of these situations, do have access to therapy or a trauma coach or, you know, books and different resources like that to be able to heal from the relationship and from the things that you experienced before that. Um, because like I said, you know, obviously I don't, I think I said this in the last episode, um, I don't use victim shaming language, but I also know for a fact that there were a lot of events in my life that allowed me um, to having them unhealed allowed me. Sorry, I am multitasking. I had to wash my hands there. Um, (laughs) Allowed me to stay and tolerate less than I deserve because I didn't know that I deserved more subconsciously. So that's where I'm coming in with the whole. I really hope that, you know, each of you is able to find whatever it is you need to find support and validation and healing and processing and all the things because now that we have this information and now that we know my hope is that we're all armed with the tools that we need moving forward to keep these kinds of people far far away from us and to help others around us keep these kinds of people far far away from us um I woke up this morning um with a comment on one of my Instagram videos Um, where I share about reactive abuse, the time in Mexico where I hit bed with a pillow and was yelling at my partner, why are you like this? And this person came on and was like, oh my God, is no one going to um, talk about the fact that this person is the abuser and they just admit it. She just admitted that she's horrible. She's this, she's that. And this is exactly why I continue talking about this. And my hope is that each of you, as you get further along in your journey, and if you don't and you can't and you never do, that's fine. No pressure. No, I'm not judging you. I'm not trying to force anyone to do anything. But my hope is that we can all carry this forward and carry our healing forward and our knowledge forward and our stories forward and share and share and share, even if it's not publicly like I am, so that other people keep learning about this and that other people 
realize that they can talk about this and heal from it and that, again, that they're not crazy. So that eventually, I mean, it's going to take a long time because there's also people equally out there invalidating people, perpetuating um, this type of abuse and things like that. My hope is that eventually these type of people will be held accountable and also that they won't be able to find victims because people are going to be taught from a younger and younger age what emotional abuse looks like so that they're not thinking, hey, this person hasn't hit me yet, even though they've done several other types of physical abuse and I feel like I'm crazy and I think I might be being emotionally abused because a lot of times we don't really like we suspect that it's happening, but we don't really fully understand it. And so that these people will be armed much younger and anyone that does grow up to be a narcissistic or abusive person doesn't have anyone to abuse. So thank you all so much for listening and hopefully sharing, um, um, if not your experience, then my experience to help you know get this word out there because it's time that our society changes how, how we look at these kinds of abuse. Okay, that is all for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, you like this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe. I really want to get this podcast into the ears of the people who need it the most, the people who have lived this, who are living this and need that support, validation, education, all the things. And the more that you do interact with this podcast, share it on your social media, the more it does get to the people who need it the most. If you want more from me, you can also find me on TikTok TikTok and Instagram at the Lindsay Goodman. I'm in my stories a lot. I'm constantly sharing things. It isn't always abuse related um, because I am an actual person (laughs) um, and have other interests and hobbies and things like that. But you can find me there and you can go to my website, thelindsaygoodman.com. Thank you so much. And I will be here with more for you next week. Take care, everyone.